0: This is
1: The Relevant Podcast. It's episode 1120 and it's a relevant podcast post Thanksgiving edition. Here in Orlando, I'm your host Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, our managing editor, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. And that's it. Uh, Derek and Marty are off today. Uh, a little behind the scenes. I feel like we are a sports podcast that had to do an emergency episode after a big game, like or yeah. like the Super Bowl. And they recorded that night, you know, to get it out yeah. first thing in the morning. We are recording this as everybody is still coming back from Thanksgiving weekend to get it out on time for Tuesday. So... This is
2: one of our eleven fifty nine type episodes. That's yeah. that's how important this is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think Derek and Marty are still in a food coma somewhere. So they're slowly. Yeah. They'll be back Wednesday, hopefully.
1: Uh, how was y'all's uh, Thanksgiving breaks, uh, Jesse? You were with extended family up in the Northeast. Yeah,
2: lovely. It was cold, uh, uh, refreshing. Uh, rest- extended family,
1: though, right? Lots of people that's in right. the house.
2: Oh, yeah. Very, uh, very crowded house. Lots of, you know, lots of fun. Had by all. Um, but, uh, you know, not not too bad travel. Emily, you were in Texas.
0: But yeah, Thanksgiving was great. That, uh, had a couple people in town. Met my younger cousin's boyfriend. Seems great. We'll see if it sticks out. It's only been three months. So it was a bold move to show up to Ooh, Thanksgiving. That's a bold move. Three yeah. months. That's a that's a bold that move. Is,
2: that, that's right on the the bubble. I feel like right, yeah. th- three months. You know. Yeah, it was so I was wondering. Like, three months one... too
1: soon. That's like. That's, no, the, I feel oh, like
2: gosh. that's you're on the outer end of the bubble. Like you're on okay. the. I, I did have one travel. I forgot this afternoon. I traveled with my family of four. We all have TSA pre check. Right. Mm-hmm. So we get to we get to the security line. We we check our bags and everything. We get there and we go to the TSA pre check side. Right. At for some reason. You uh, well, I'm not going to call it the airline. Doesn't really matter. The airline did not put on my boarding pass the TSA pre-check little emblem, though. On the reservation, which was on my phone, it said TSA pre-check. Right? This is easily resolvable. Here, I have it. All four members of my family are clearly TSA pre-check. We're in the pre-check line. I have it on my phone reservation. Anyway, TSA agent says you're not going through. You're not TSA (laughs) pre-check. You don't have it. And I was like, well, I, I do have it. I've paid the money and gone to a little building and made the whole appointment. It seems like a lot, a big to do. Seems like we could just green light everyone. But I was like, I do have it, sir. Uh, you know, And I was like, look, it's right here on the reservation. He goes, you don't have TSA preacher. I was like, clearly, it's just not on the ticket. It's right here on the reservation. And he said, I can go back down to the ticket counter and get it reprinted off. I was like, "Well, I'm not going to do that. That's, you know, I, that's going to take forever." Then he told my family to go through and he sent me like demanded I leave the TSA line and go to the the, the other line, which at this point was very very long. And there's a you know, and there's several different gate agents. He's just a TSA guy, right? So anyway, I wait there for 20 minutes while my family goes to security. I finally get through that line like 20 minutes, half hour later and to another gate agent booth, and they had a shift change. And it's the same guy. <laughs> it is the same guy that sent me away. And he's like, ID, sir. And I'm like, here it is again. And I hand him the ID, and then he sends me into the, the TSA side, which I would have been in the first place. It was such a power move, but I was so powerless. Like, that is a power <laughs> dynamic. You have nothing you're able to do. They can just... Yeah. Me-
0: like, he was clearly you can't just storm the TSA. Up. Like, they will... That's going to end badly for everyone. You storm.
1: Nobody is overthrowing the TSA, Emily.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. You can't. Like, you just have to do what they say. I don't think anybody wants to s- storm the TSA. I don't, I don't know. Like people get real testy gonna...
2: waiting in a line for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you can't even. It's it's like a, it's it's like watching an NBA game, Cameron. The player has a little bit of leash to say something back to the ref, but you say one wrong thing, and they and and, and they're going to mess up that player's day. That's how it was with me with this guy. I was one. He was just Scott away. Foster to your Chris Paul. I was one comment away from being like pulled into like a secret room and and you know, uh, being searched. I missed my flight. Anyway, how was your Thanksgiving, Cameron?
1: <laughs> it was good. I didn't travel. Everybody came to me. Extended family uh, didn't have Cohen, but I did have the cliche. Awkward moment at the dinner table between the generations. Uh, mm. I was down on the end of the table with the elderliest uncle and my brother they're always who's the, the black most sheep fun. Of the, who's the black sheep of the family. so I'm in between the two of them. they're facing each other. I'm on the end of the table. they're facing each other. We're making chit chat. We have nothing in common, okay I mean that, that's that's yeah the trouble. The other relatives down the other end of the table go to dinner all the time. they're just talking like normal old uncle stuck with me and my brother, you know? So he's just asked. So, so he's asking my brother, like, when are you getting married? When you have kids, things that might, that irritate my brother, my brother's, you know, old enough now that he's clearly made decisions in his life. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not, not like, so he just gets irritated when the family does stuff like that. Da, da, da. And so like, and then there just other conversations. that kind of, I could just see my brother getting more and more frustrated, but he's biting his tongue. Then my <laughs> uncle, Literally talked about uh, like something about judges came up and he said something about I'm just wait. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't judges. It was about all these allegations last week that came out about celebrities with improper sexual stuff like Mm -hmm. old civil cases coming up because and he was just like, I wonder why it's all happening all at once. And I was like, well, because certain states, including New York, had a statute after the Me Too movement where they opened up the um, stat, um, statute of limitations and that deadline is this weekend. Yeah. So there's this flurry of civil suits happening about mm-hmm. old, you know, improper uh, conduct and stuff. And so I just mentioned that and he goes, well, I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for it to come out. Uh, lawsuits against Biden, you know, cause you know, he likes all those little girls, my brother. Yeah. Said, okay. I'm going home, everybody. It's nice seeing you all. And he walked out of the house. He literally just (laughs) left. He just he had had enough. And he said, "I have so much respect for my brother." He did no conflict. He's not going to argue back. Well, he muttered under his breath. He muttered under his breath. That is ridiculous. And then he verbally said loudly to the table, Goodbye, everybody. It's been nice seeing you all. And he literally just walked out the
2: door. What did
1: everyone say?
2: Was there a Nobody heard clap?
1: It. Nobody heard it. Nobody but me and my brother heard it. That was the thing. My, my parents feigned ignorance. Everybody was like, Oh, I didn't even know any political talk was happening. And I, I gently explained to the family, um, you know, we have a, a, a no political rule here at the house. Like, you know, it's my house, my rules. We don't talk politics at the dinner table. Uh, some politics stuff was mentioned. Chandler was uncomfortable when he left. I don't think my uncle heard half of what was said. You know, he's, again, <laughs> the elderliest uncle. So I don't think he's offended or anything. I don't think even think he realizes he's the reason why my brother left. But yeah, no, I saw it happen in real life. I saw the politics talk and my brother bolted. So I, I love it. That,
2: it's, it's like he had like a flashcard of words <laughs> or phrases that if were uttered, that was his like, escape. it was his, <laughs> I don't know if this is appropriate or not. It's, it was like his Thanksgiving dinner, like safe words. Like, okay, it stops. Once I hear this, I'm up and leaving. Like this is. Uh, is that an inappropriate, like, like uh, you know, term or or like trigger word? It was like trigger his word, Thanksgiving. Trigger. Yeah, it was like his Thanksgiving dinner trigger word. Like, yeah. if any of these are uttered, I'm standing up and leaving this situation. Like, oh, this is gosh. the it was you great.
1: Know, yeah, I think he had a game plan in mind. Like, how he's like, life's too short. I don't need to subject myself to certain ignorant hate speech, and I will not
2: condone it. And I will leave. But, it, but 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 it could it could have been been transcended politics there could have been a whole list of things on his well, that's what like I'm saying, note i think card. it was
1: building up for him because it was like the and they ask about his job and he's he has a bunch of jobs he has a bunch of different things he does he's always kind of changing different interests and focus and stuff like that and so every year the family asks him about his career and so he was getting frustrated with that getting frustrated with the relationship questions he was just Kind of, it was just like you were saying. He was just kind of building up. He was hitting his limit, and then when Biden touching the little girls happened, he's out. So, like, all right. Did Goodness he take the go plate,
2: or did he just leave? No, did he, he just, just he was, the it was, plate.
1: Toward the end of the meal, he was like, "I don't need to abide this. I'm done. I finished yeah. eating. I'll get my." T- he texted me later. I'll get my Tupperware for you another time because he
2: brought a dish. <laughs> like, At that point, you just you just leaves a Tupperware. You know, I feel like Tupperware is something that when, when when a dinner party goes south, you just sacrifice. It's you're not seeing <laughs> yeah. that again. It's basically disposable. Like half the Tupperware you each of us have in our home was left there because someone left a dinner party early and they're not oh, coming yeah. back for it. Like, you I know, 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 that's just how Tupperware oh, exchanges would, work. My
1: entire cabinet of Tupperware is I didn't buy any of this. I, like, I don't know where any of this came from. So, yeah. Yeah. If it's meant to come back a to at dinner parties. We're shifting modes. Uh, Post holiday, I I now have Christmas decoration tubs around my house. I'm decorating for Christmas, getting ready for you know the next season, getting lights up and all that kind of stuff. Are you guys preparing? Are you sprucing up, buying new fancy outfits for all the Christmas parties or anything?
2: I don't know about outfits, but I I'm (laughs) I'm going tree shopping today. um, Which you get a real tree? I go to same tree. I do, and I go to the same tree lot every year. Me and too. <laughs>
1: Every year, the price is going to be fifty percent higher than it was two years ago. Well, according okay, to my here,
2: experience. Okay, here. I'm glad you brought that up, because the guy by Christmas tree lot. I mean, he if you if you had to imagine a guy who's the proprietor of a Christmas tree lot that lives up in the mountains of Virginia somewhere and brings these down once a year, overalls, big red hair, red beard. You know, this is the guy. I get a history lesson on the economy of, of Christmas trees every Chris. You can tell he doesn't get a lot of social interaction up there on the Christmas tree farm. Like this is this. He loves. To, but here's the you know, the odd the odd thing about the Christmas tree, the economics of the Christmas tree lot is that the and this is what's so funny, because I'm like, oh, man, they're hired this year. Is it because of this, this and this? He goes, no. The economics of the Christmas tree lot are determined by the by the economic conditions of 20 years ago this year, because that's when those trees were planted. And that's when our costs like he had this whole thing. I'm like, we're still these Christmas tree prices are a result of a housing market crisis 20 years ago, because that's how long it <laughs> took the Christmas trees to grow. Trust me, I'm an expert in this. I get the I get a whole lesson. Well, fuel Every, I get costs
1: a, this year would affect things, you know, like transporting them. Right. Listen.
2: I'm gonna Labor costs to cut them down. He has to pay a we, higher wage. I don't think he's paying anybody. I think he's this is one man kind of operation. <laughs> <laughs> I think just he's just coasting. I think it's limited fuel. I think he's just coasting down from the mountains. <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess it would be downhill the
2: whole way. I think he's fueled on 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 like Christmas tree sap. I I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Oh, but I did, I got in, I got in a day early from my, from my Thanksgiving because I wanted to get some ducks in a row, got a haircut yesterday and had a very odd experience when I was getting my hair cut. The, the nice woman doing my, you know, cutting my hair acted as if what I was telling her was an option for her. And that ultimately she was the one who was going to decide what the haircut would be. I kept telling her what I wanted and she said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not going to look good. I'm like, but that's what I want. You know, she's like, no, 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 we're not going to take that much off this Your part. haircut no, no, is no, the we're...
1: same every time. What was she disputing? Did you want to, like, do a mullet this time or something?
2: It was, a, I wanted more off different places. I wanted, I, you know, like, I wanted a light. She just flat out refused. She goes, no, <laughs> your hair is not going to look good like that. I'm not going to do it.
1: Jesse, this hey. is a trust the chef situation. You go to a Michelin star restaurant, you don't say... <laughs> no olives and extra cheese you you but say i was at the equivalent of like a, chef
2: i was at but i was at the equivalent of a, like a subway sandwich artist where <laughs> they may be a sandwich artist but i'm in charge of what fix-ins are going on you know what i mean like th- i wasn't at a michelin star uh, yeah, so you weren't
1: like at a salon where like this is a uh, like this is an expert artist this is a, you were at a uh fantastic sam's level this was a supercuts level this yeah, was a God. chain
2: it, w- at, at you know never trust ne- them yes next, next to, to like hands-on
0: with those guys next yeah. to
2: like a you know a, a gnc and like yeah. a marshalls
0: i you know have been cutting for all went,
2: of two and a half weeks at that yeah, yeah.
0: i went to a mall on friday what? to see a movie and across from the amc was a place called the academy college of hair And I feel like this person maybe graduated from the Academy College of Hair. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Yeah.
1: I I would say in this situation, you could impose your desires. If I'm at a salon and I'm splurging on an expensive haircut, I tell them whatever you think looks good. You know, you see my face shape,
2: you're the expert. I couldn't impose it. I was attempting to, and there was just a flat out refusal. It was like, did I tell you guys my coffee shop story the other day? No. Where I went to like one of those bougie... I told you guys, I think I told the story. I went to one of those bougie, like artisan coffee shops that, you know, like the hipstery yeah. kind where, you know, people wear beanies, you know, even though it's, uh, you know, in the dead of summer or whatever. And flannels, you know, yeah. it, everyone looks like they're, they're in a Portlandia sketch. I go and I order my beverage, which I order the same thing every time. I like an ice chai with a shot of espresso. It's a very simple order. You know, I was told when I ordered it that it doesn't pair well. And I said that's yeah, okay. It's tea and that, coffee—that's
1: no good. I, I
2: ordered. There's a name for it. It's called a dirty chai. I don't say it because you sound ridiculous saying it. But I, the, the barista said, "That's right. I remember you telling this story." The, the, the dirty barista said that doesn't. Yeah, yeah the, the, uh, that doesn't pair well. And I was like, I, I didn't. That's fine. That's what I want. They, they flat out refused to make it, and they said good that they them. would. They would. I could order two different drinks and then do it myself. It was it was the same situation. What is happening to this country? You know what I mean? Like
0: it kind of sounds I'm, like I'm, the world's kind of out to get you like first the TSA agent. No, then the haircut. it sounds
1: like the world has evolved and Jesse has is digging his has heels evolved. in the sand, <laughs> refusing to go with it. I like a yeah, hairstyle I'm, from 2004 and I'm sticking with it. No, sir. I, we this I, is better now.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm digging it. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am such such an old timer. I am. I am. I am I'm really, you know, You're the you youngest know, 80 to, year old I've ever met. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, overthrow social order by ordering a coffee th- th- with the, with the ingredients I want in it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Look, you know, the revolution begins.
0: You're going to be the uncle at Thanksgiving next year. That causes oh, someone got, to leave. Who,
1: who? So who won the standoff about the hairstyle? Because your hair looks nice. You're looking at
2: it. She did. <laughs> I, I, it was I, there was good. nothing I could, I could say. How did you want different? This is how your haircuts it always look. It wasn't in negotiate. I wanted more hair off. Oh. And she was tapering, Uh-oh. and I wanted the rate. I wanted the clippers, and it was a. She just. It wasn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't, an, it wasn't a negotiation. It was nothing to win. She was just saying she wasn't going to do it. That's really
1: that's what funny. I'm saying.
0: Can you ask for? So a different what happened when the, in the
1: tip situation? Did you tip? <laughs> The service?
0: Of,
2: of course, because it's one of the tips where they can see you do it. You always <laughs> pick the middle one. And the middle one now is like 21%. It used to be like 10, 15, 15 was right 20. up the middle yeah. and 20. Now, 20 yeah. is on the back end. 15 is you know on mean? the low, yeah. So, I, I i always choose the middle one, you know, no matter the level of service, because I'm not going to be – I'm not going to. it's too awkward to do anything ordered, other than on I, the little iPad not hit the middle one.
1: I ordered uh, Mexican food for takeout last night, and when I was ordering online, it was or for pickup, you know, uh, I had the tip options, and the lowest tip was 15, 20, and then twenty-five percent for takeout. Like you're literally just putting it in a box for me, and I and I carry it out. This isn't like table service, where you're coming and checking and refilling and whatever. I, I so I did other, and I did a flat ten percent on that. I was like. You, you work for tips. I get it. But our entire your entire task with me is all of 45 seconds. It's not a 45-minute dinner where you have to check on me.
0: Well, I think some of the tip goes to the chef, too. They split tips with the chef. but uh, Not all
1: restaurants. Too. Not in my experience. We would have to tip out the bartenders and the hostess, mm-hmm. but we didn't have to tip out the chef or the cooks.
2: I've been at a bar where... Where I've ordered like a drink and it co- like and, and and this was it was like a bottle of Coke or something. It wasn't even like something that required a bottle opener, right? It wasn't even tipping for that. It was for them to or a bottle of water or something where they reached under out of refrigerator, hand it to me, and then I still have to figure out what the tip situation. Like, am I literally just tipping for the effort it took to to pull that out of the refrigerator and hand it to me? Like, what what is the tip going so. for here? you know well then
1: supplementing their minimum wage i mean that's the problem is just just pay your staff correctly and i think in the takeout industry it should be pay your staff correctly and don't leave it up to this awkward situation there's we need to go back to a society where certain tasks are not tipped and certain ones are but we just need to fix the wage situation in my mind oh wow. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to Eugene Cho. He's the president of Bread for the World and one of our favorite uh, pastors and, and speakers. Also, at the end of the show, we have an Ask the Cast holiday edition. You guys have a, had a lot of life conundrums this season that you needed some input on. Uh, you do not want to miss that. There's some great questions. Can't wait for it. Stay tuned up next. It slices. You're listening to The Rubens. The song is Good Mood. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in.
0: Amazing. Did not disappoint.
3: Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting.
0: You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4.
1: Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. All right, it's time for
2: Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Uh, this is one. Um, Emily found this on the web, and I'm surprised it wasn't. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't get more publicity over the weekend. By the way, speaking of which, every time I see a news story, I'm like, I heard nothing about this. It, it surprises me. So, good job, Emily. I feel like I'm pretty tuned in to Thank what's you. happening around the world. That's why my wife made a comment to me over the weekend while we we're staying at my in-laws with with my extended family and their, my twin nieces, who are like three years old. We're we're on the we're getting on the plane to leave, and she goes, "Did you hear?" I'm like what? She goes, "They found the elephant." And I was like, "There was been an elephant on the on the loose." Like, <laughs> the, the, the people are chat talking about a loose elephant. How did this happen? And one, how did I not know? It was like one of those news stories where it's like, "Oh, did you hear?" You know, it's like the, the when the submarine deal. It's like, oh, we're I, I talking about this. Everyone's got it. A, a where take did they here. lose an elephant? I, I never heard about this.
1: I wasn't online this I, I, weekend either. So
2: what? what and she was like, oh, no, like the elephant pacifier that uh, Emma Neva lost. It was jammed in the cow. I was like, I, you you can't lead with they found. the Did you hear they found the elephant and talk like about in the hole. local
1: news there in, in New Jersey?
0: They found and, the and, elephant.
2: And, thankfully, and, the streets and, and are and safe again. Yeah. And you're talking about my niece's stuffed toy that was lost all week. I didn't even know there's an elephant lost anyway.
0: <laughs> Wait, I do need you to know when I was looking when I was looking for stories, um, because it, it just was a slow news weekend, because. Everyone was off. Um, I saw a story about uh, the horse getting loose on the plane, but it was on a different website. So in my mind, I thought, oh, my God, another horse got loose on a plane. And then I realized it was actually just an old news story. uh,
2: Well, either way, this is equally as interesting. This is from the Associated Press. Four men were charged uh, with the theft of an 18-karat gold toilet from a palace at an English country mansion where uh, Winston Churchill was born, um, the, the the toilet the toilet is valued at uh, uh, almost six million dollars, and it's been uh, it vanished overnight um, in September of 2019. Now, the toilet was uh, a piece of artwork called "America," and was uh, this is according to Associated Press intended to be a pointed satire about the excessive about excessive wealth by an Italian conceptual artist yeah um, uh, the the seven people had been arrested over the heist but no charges had been brought until Monday now it doesn't give any reason of why what what what's been happening what the investigation has looked like all this time but the toilet has never been recovered I would like to uh, read why this was such a big deal. The golden toilet was fully functioning, and prior to the theft, visitors to the exhibition could book a three-minute appointment to use it. Uh, and because the toilet had been connected to the house plumbing system, its removal caused, quote, significant damage and flooding to the 18th century building, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I have so many questions about this story. <laughs> 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 Who is booking? Like, how long is that? toilet? Book, how long is three minutes on that John booked out for? Like, just to say he used a golden toilet at a palace. Like, and how much were they? Was, was it booked around the clock? You know, obviously That's, not, because somehow these working people. Working hours.
1: It's got to be visitor hours. You can't. Well, you somehow can't one, one of the
2: some of these visitors were able to uninstall it and then and steal it.
0: Maybe they did it consecutively. Like there was like five of them and they booked a 15 minute block. So they were able to get but, uh, but here, Here's my, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm not feeling well. Just, I need to give me another three minutes. Can I get an extension please?
0: Yeah. How yeah. much does it cost? Did it say how much it costs to book three minutes? Was it worth the, co- no. worth the
2: time? I, I you know, I, I evidently it had been operational for a while. So maybe it's variable pricing based on demand, <laughs> based <laughs> on what they were suvi- serving that day at the uh, at the Palace Cafeteria for tourists. Um, <laughs> chili dogs. Oh, <whoa>, all right. <laughs> get your rest, get, your <laughs> you get five, now. But it's actually on Chili Dog Day. Yeah, book a double <laughs> slot. Book a double slot. Yeah. Um, but the other question, what was the game plan? I always think about this when I watch a heist movie and they steal like a famous painting or a statue yeah. or something, you know, what, what, you what are you going to walk into the pawn shop with a golden toilet? <laughs> and and it's all over the news that Winston Churchill's golden toilet was stolen. Like, where'd you what was the game plan? Dude,
1: there's a bl- I, I, I hate to give the real answer, but there's a black market for art
0: dealings and start stolen art. There's absolutely. How many people are in the market for a golden toilet?
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, imagine if you're uh, one of these not so integrous collectors, that would be a trophy piece, sure. Or
0: throw. Okay, so let's say you do buy it. Do you use it, or do you just put it on display? That you have a golden toilet. I think you start charging people at your own house. (laughs) I think it it has an
2: established business model.
0: (laughs) You say you can use a guest room, or for twenty dollars, you
2: can use the golden bathroom. You can use Winston Churchill's golden toilet.
1: That is impressive a price on that. that they could un un-wrench it and get out of there with it. I mean, how did how did they get it out?
2: I think some crimes are so impressive that if you get away with it, it's like, all right, fair enough.
0: You know, like <laughs> challenge solved. I hope this is the plot of the next Oceans movie because I, I would see this. Have you, have you seen
2: that, that the video, that guy who's going around to like escape rooms, like the storefront, you know, like what I'm talking about? It's like escape rooms that run out of like a little storefront, you know, kind of. And he goes in with a bike lock and he goes and he opens the door and he throws in clues, uh, uh, like written on a piece of paper. And then slams but the he only goes him. to
1: ones where there's one entrance and exit. There's not like a back yeah. entrance or a back yeah. exit. Like these, some of the storefront ones, there's literally one door into the storefront. <laughs> and
2: seems like a real fire risk. But uh, but either way, it's 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 like that some things it's like, oh, he's got a point.
1: When I see when I saw that on social media, I was reading that he was terrorizing this one escape room. Not that he was going to multiple ones, but there's this one escape room in his town that he had a bad experience at or whatever, and he's to get revenge. He goes up to the
2: serial. I think he's serial, you know.
1: But he's serialized it at that location too. Like he keeps coming back and locking the front door and throwing in (laughs) instructions on how to undo the lock. (laughs) <laughs> and like but they but I've read that he's done it multiple times at this one location. So he's going around the whole city too, like a bank robber. Wow. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's yeah. Sounds
0: like he needs Pretty a job. Funny.
2: That's what I'm saying. I, I support things like that. Like those are crimes that I feel like we should just turn socially turn a blind eye to. And
0: if you still <laughs> like
2: went into in this golden toilet and you got away with it, it's like yeah cool, man. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, cool. I'm very impressed. You damage 18th century plumbing, but to be honest, that's probably you could a couple wet wipes could do that job. So this <laughs> yeah. is no big deal.
1: Yeah, it was due for a uh, repiping anyway. So, all right, what do you have, Emily?
0: Okay, so there's a listing on Facebook Marketplace um, that is like legitimate. Someone put this on Facebook Marketplace. They were looking for a roommate to share half their bed. Um, so, not even like another room or another bed in the room. They were like, this is for, ha- you can have half of my bed and they'll share the space together. Um, but it was going for Yum. $650 in Toronto. For half
1: of a queen size bed. In half Toronto. a queen size bed. When I read this, like, cause we posted this last week. I, when I read this, I was like, I can't believe somebody is that audacious. Like that's disgusting. But deep in the news coverage, it mentioned that this is a thing mm-hmm. like in certain metro areas. Like, Like this one Facebook marketplace listing kind of went viral, but apparently and they pulled it down because of the virality of it. Yeah. But uh, but apparently like this is a thing that they do is like they'll rent, share their beds. There's a term for it. Yeah.
0: It's called hot bedding.
2: (laughs) Hot bedding. That that makes me more uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) I would never hot bed
1: with a stranger. I won't hot bed with a friend. I mean, Are like, what's the comforter
2: like, situation? Are you on is one below and the other on top with like a throw blanket? Because that's a different. That I think you can different. decide
0: that with your that's cold Um Yeah, there was a survey in 2021 where they inter- they pulled seven thousand students. Uh, in, this is in Australia. They so- they pulled seven thousand students and three percent said that they had Resorted to hot bedding to save on rent, which is not a huge amount, but still enough people that have done it. That three of a hundred people
1: are renting half their bed. That's that's three more than I thought. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> um, so what I'm hearing is you guys would not be interested in this, even if it was to save on rent.
1: To a stranger that answered a, here's the deal. It's not necessarily that you are renting out half your bed. Who is renting out half your bed? I don't want to lay next to that person. You know that, that that's right. the thing that
0: It's like equally weird it's like weird that you're offering it but also weird that someone would take you up on that offer. Like put, a cot, put an air mattress on the floor. Like like why are you yeah. bringing out half your bed? And also the fact that it was a queen size it was like if it was like a king be a little bit better but no. a queen's not big enough no. for two strangers.
2: Again, I it all comes down to me to the to the comforter situation. And and is it one Like I said, is someone on top, someone under and like how large is the throw blanket? And can I sort of burrito myself in it? (laughs) Because then I I feel like I have an extra layer of just solitude, you know, physical independence. If I if I can burrito myself,
0: you know, those sleep number beds where it's like two twin beds kind of pushed together. Yeah. And maybe it's one of those situations. I don't know if that's any better.
2: No, it's a queen. (laughs) The two together is the king.
0: Like I said, Ugh. if you
1: can
2: just wrap yourself in a blanket, then you're basically... It's like two people <laughs> in sleeping bags and tents. And people do that all the time.
0: All I'm Start saying camping. is the housing crisis is getting a little crazy out there. So if you need to save on rent, you can split your bed. Just something to in think hot about. Get
1: <laughs> a All right. That'll do it for... Slices! Stay tuned. Up next, Eugene Cho joins us.
0: My name. I look again, maybe just in
1: case. Went to the coach, and Listening to Hol the song is Perry Lane. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories into your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Eugene Cho. He's president of Bread for the World, a nonprofit organization that addresses food insecurity around the globe. Uh, we talk to him about the struggles Americans face this time of year when it comes to food insecurity and how Christians can help address those needs. Here's our conversation with Eugene Cho.
0: So something that Breath of the World addresses obviously is food insecurity internationally, but also domestically. And I think a lot of Americans can kind of struggle to understand how you can live in this country and not have enough access to food. Um, So can you describe the reality of food insecurity in America?
3: So right now we have approximately 41.5 million people uh, basically on food stamps, uh, something called the SNAP program. There's another program called the Women, Infant and Children program, uh, which is also a federal program. My wife and I and our kids, we were on the WIC program many, many years ago, and it was a safety net. We went through a season of our lives when we were planting a church as a pastor, uh, when things didn't quite go the way that we had envisioned and didn't have a paycheck. We didn't really have a church at that time. Couldn't get a job. I was unemployed for a while. And I was so grateful for that federal program. And so you could say that we were an example in that season of our lives as a food insecure program. We weren't starving, but we weren't quite sure where we were going to get some of our next meal. It may not have been necessarily that absolute next meal but as we were considering that week or certainly that month and we were budgeting we had to make some really tough decisions about whether we spend our resources on electricity on rent and on food and as a result you begin to compromise your food you begin to compromise your nutritional intake and then you begin to have these really difficult decisions like maybe we need to eat less in order for our children to eat more so i want to say it one more time right now one out of 10 households in the united states have difficulties putting food on the table for Black households, for Indigenous families, the numbers are more than twice that. So it's really about the uncertainty of not knowing where your food is going to come. And it's not just the emotional toll, right, Emily? It's also, there's a toll that uh, that it has on our, on our minds and our emotional health on our anxiety as well. And I think for many of us who don't understand food insecurity, we can get it uh, intellectually, we understand the data, and I think we may even have a level of empathy, but unless you really have gone through it, you just don't quite grasp the anxiety that comes in when we're not quite sure how we're going to feed ourselves and to feed our children. Um, now, granted, there are these federal programs and we're grateful for that. We have these food banks and church food pantries and the list goes on. But clearly what statistics and data and stories to from neighbors, human beings that are going through this, what we know and learn is that it's just not enough. I'll give you one story. Uh, The SNAP program is the nation's largest, most substantive, most impactful program. And folks that are on SNAP, they basically tell you and as a pastor, obviously I had congregants who were on the SNAP program. And there's two things that they would say. Number one is that they always felt a level of indignation or shame. Uh, And And I was really saddened by even my leadership when you have congregants who are on food stamp programs and they just felt that they were unable to share that reality with others within that church. So there's still that, I think, dissonance, even in church communities, when we need to be more embracing and accepting and loving and empathetic. But the second thing that they shared that was really interesting is that across the board, their SNAP resources would expire, they would run out basically halfway through the month, or about two and a half weeks into the month. And that's been verified by a lot of research. And so you've got folks that are eating two and a half weeks into a month, and in the last 10 or so days, they're basically skimping by because they're just not quite sure how their food is going to come onto their dining tables.
0: I'm glad you brought up the feeling of shame that often comes with this, because I think a lot of us grew up with a message where, you know, it was looked down upon to ask for help, um, which is obviously something we should move away from. Um, so I'd love to know like, how can the church be better about encouraging individuals who need help without shaming them?
3: That's a great question. And that needs to be a podcast podcast in itself, like an entire series. Uh, and so uh, Emily and Eugene launches a new podcast on normalizing certain things. You know, so, so, so I think there's a, a few things that would come up. And for one, uh, I know maybe we are using this word a lot, but I love the fact that we're using this word a lot and it's the word empathy. Uh, is to place ourselves in the situation that others might be at. Uh, It's compassion, it's connection. It's to understand, and theologically as Christians, this theology of the body of Christ. If anyone should get it, It's got to be us. Like this is part of our very identity. And so I think we've got to keep speaking about these things and not just speaking about it as intellectual abstracts, but again, understanding that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, not just a good moral teacher, but the person that we say we follow, we see this deep empathy and compassion. And it's not just empathy and compassion. It's friendship and relationship He chooses to engage in friendship and relationship. But I think one of the ways that we can normalize this is we can speak about it particularly from stage and from the pulpit in a way that it's not a project. Sometimes one of the most dangerous and unjust things, like there's a danger in trying to do justice unjustly. And I think one of the ways in which we do this is that we treat those who struggle with hunger and poverty as projects. And people were never intended or meant to be projects. These are our mothers and fathers. These are our sisters and brothers. These are our uncles and aunts. These are part of our very community. Again, the body of Christ. Uh, I was really surprised that in a way that I wasn't expecting to, but when I was sharing a little bit about our hunger story, our hunger insecurity story, when I was sharing that we were on a federal program, like it shocked some people, but it also gave people permission to say, Hey, this is actually normal. And we go through seasons of our lives. Now, obviously uh, that's not the only story, right? We want to make sure that people have good jobs, good paying jobs, good health, and, and the list goes on for me the reason why hunger is such an important issue is that it fits in and aligns so much with what i believe to be a biblical mandate for human flourishing like god desires for people to flourish and flourishing can't be possible without right relationship with god right relationship with one another right relationship with creation but we also know that yes it's true that man does not live on bread alone. But we also know that Jesus was deeply committed and had compassion for those physically. Their bodies were not receiving enough food and nutrition. Right? John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the multitudes of people. He teaches but he also has compassion on their physical bodies as well. And so I think that's a a way that we can try to normalize and and build more compassion and empathy. Well, food insecurity is obviously
0: a big problem this time of year. Um, And I know you've said before that one person um, is all it takes to make a difference. Um, And so what practically can someone do to help address food insecurity in their area?
3: Yeah, great question. And I think it's important for us to know the information, to know the data, to have compassion at our hearts be engaged. But at the same time, we also wanna make a difference and make an impact. Now, I, I would suggest a few things and we could talk about this and maybe transition to global hunger because you could apply this to both of these things. Here's the first one. It's probably not going to satisfy um, uh, many listeners, but I, I want them to know this is not the only answer. But I would say, let's make sure that we begin with prayer. And the reason why I say that is it's I think prayer is one of the ways in which a compassion isn't a one-off. It's not just a prayer, it's not just a song that we sing, it's not just a a 60 minute service or a 50 minute service in our Zoom world, but that when when we pray about something and for someone or for some situation, it really begins to impact us as well. Like we're asking the Holy Spirit to really uh, move and compel and convict our hearts as well, in addition to caring for others. So that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing is to think about relationships. Like how am I building relationships in such a way that I have an opportunity to learn about what others might be going through as well. So right now, if there are pastors and ministry leaders that are listening to this podcast, I guarantee you, even if you think your church or your town or your neighborhood is incredibly affluent or well-off, I guarantee you there are people within our spheres, our communities that are struggling with issues of hunger. And Not just your church, but if you think outside the walls of the church, since we know that God is calling us to be a good neighbor, that extends beyond the walls of the church. And then I would say, practically, uh, does your church uh, have the ability to start a church pantry? Uh, and when you do that, you're also normalizing it, right? You're accepting and acknowledging and you're inviting people to contribute to it. Uh, there are food banks. Uh, in all of our neighborhoods or at least many of our neighborhoods as well. Here's some good news and some opportunities for growth. 48% of churches either have a church pantry or have an active engagement with their local food banks. That's encouraging to me. The opportunity is there's about 52% of more churches that can also choose to engage it as well. You know, we all know that there's something about food that brings people together. And so here's another opportunity for us to be a good neighbor. Uh, The other way is our financial resources. Uh, We need to distribute financial resources. May we be compelled and convicted to give and share of our financial resources. And here's the last one. And this is particularly important to me because of the work that I do at Bread for the World. A lot of folks want to end with those things and they're good, but I think we should also be calling and challenging our elected leaders to do their part as well. Because we're not going to be able to make a sizable dent or impact on either national or global hunger just by food pantries, food banks, and church pantries or our individual giving. We need our elected leaders, our government, both here in our nation, but also around the world to do their part. And so Bread for the World exists to activate and mobilize uh, the church christians and others to help us inform legislation and policies that can make an incredible impact around hunger i'll just give one example last year we were able able to help pass something called the child tax credit for one year the child tax credit in that one year, help reduce childhood hunger in the United States by 30%. And we were encouraging people to make that a permanent child tax credit or certainly extending it for three or five years because research both by Bread, but also by so many others, we believe that when you enact childhood tax credit, it has the capacity of reducing childhood hunger in the United States by about 45%. And that's significant and dramatic. Earlier, I mentioned 13 million children. We can reduce that by half, by enacting this policy and legislation. Is it messy? Of course, all legislation, all policies are messy. Here's why, because people are messy. But when we can enact these things, and that's the reason why I'm encouraging your listeners, join us, visit bread.org, learn how you can raise your voices to be an advocate for issues of hunger, both in our nation and also around the world.
1: That was Eugene Cho. Make sure to check out uh, the work they do at Bread for the World. You can find all the info at bread.org. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's Ask the Cast, Holiday Edition. listening to Dominic Fike the song is Mama's Boy high school nickname
3: everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time
0: and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
3: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Okay, it is time for an Ask the Cast. It's the holidays. There's a lot of, you know, changes happening in life. You got to buy presents. You got to holiday parties. got to decorate all the things. Deal with family. So you guys hit us up and gave us scenarios that you are facing and that you needed our input on you hit us up on x at relevant podcast here's some of the questions i'm just going to read them and you guys can help us figure this out erica hall wrote in i call this i I titled each one the mysterious (laughs) disappearing dessert this year for thanksgiving i spent hours making a cheesecake she said desserts are a big thing in my family dinner and it was my first year baking something from scratch i was pretty excited and nervous to be honest so i took it to my mom's house where the extended family was all eating Right before dinner, I look at the dessert table and notice my cheesecake is missing. Everyone claimed they didn't see what happened to it, but it wasn't in the trash or anything. It just disappeared. I have two suspects, my aunt who loves cheesecake, hiding it for herself for later, and my other aunt who also brought a cheesecake that she bought at the grocery store. I'm going to see them both again at Christmas. How do I set up a cheesecake sting operation and get the truth without ruining the holiday spirit? That's Erica Hall.
2: Well, the the answer is clear here. Um, I don't. I don't think people are going to like what I have to say, but it's the only way. You get a flavorless, fast acting laxative. And, <laughs>
1: so you bake another cheesecake is what you're saying. <laughs> Bring it to the Christmas that's, party.
2: That's right. With with a healthy dumb and dumb. We're talking Dumb and Dumber style here. Okay. I think people still remember the, It's an old <laughs> film, but
1: Judy is going to be so mad. <laughs>
2: You'll find out soon enough who the perpetrator is if, in fact, they're eating it. And if no well, one eats it, that only you know works it if wasn't it's the, the person that eats it. Exactly. But yeah, what if nobody steals
1: it this time and the whole family
2: gets <laughs> diarrhea? Then, I mean, you just play dumb. Just just, you know, we had a You're never going to be allowed
1: to bake again for a family gathering. They're not going every- to
2: che- it's just a stomach bug. It, it happens all the time this time of year. There's bugs <laughs> they, going, they going they around. they don't know that Anything. it came from the cheesecake but, is what you're saying. But you eliminate yeah. if 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 there's no no one going to use the golden you know, if you have if you're charging use a golden toilet this great opportunity by the way. But if no one is is making an, emergency, making an emergency departure from the party, then you know it wasn't the aunt that likes cheesecake. You know it was the one who felt like mm. there's this is the only this is the only solution. Now you have to be Absolutely will end to poison the whole family for a night. But <laughs> if you want answers, it's the only conceivable way.
1: You gotta risk no, it for no, the no. reward. She could conspire with the rest of the family beforehand. I've I've bugged the cheesecake. Like so. That's a lot of work. That That's a lot of
2: work. That's a okay. lot of work. They they'll be fine. They'll be just make <laughs> sure it's they're hydrated. <laughs> Make
1: sure they have slow <laughs> dosages. Ble- have some Pedia Light in the fridge, is what you're saying. All right. Yeah, you know right. Craig Thomas wrote in. I call this the holiday playlist peacekeeper. My family is divided into those who want to only listen to religious Christmas carols, my parents, and those who want a more diversified playlist, everyone Damn. else. How do you find a harmonious solution to keep everyone rocking around the Christmas tree?
2: This would, this, I need, you need to go on. And, and Emily, I'm interested in your um, take here. But I feel like you need you need to find like one of the last remaining like Christian bookstores out there. You know, um, the old the old kind of life ways or, you know, strip mall, you know, Christian bookstores, because one of the key things they had was if you like, you know, um, uh, Soundgarden. You'll love the newsboys it was a perfect little list you like I'm run sure they DC, you'll love DC talk yeah exactly um, I'm sure those ex- I'm sure they have some for Christmas time those are the, the the only the the only they're experts that's what they do you know or just find like a retired lifeway employee and ask them because they could provide some alternatives that would make both people happy Emily, what's your take here?
0: My first thought was he needs to just pull. Kind of like a hairstylist situation like earlier and just say no and just put on whatever he wants. But if
1: mom and dad are offended by I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus by the Jackson five and they think we should only do Noel or Silent Night, like you're just going to put on the Jackson five it. and offend mom
2: and dad. <clears throat> I got it. What? This is what? this is, you know, tell them you've been taking like Korean or French or something and you've been doing like an immersive program and just use foreign language great you know like k-pop people listen to k-pop all the time they don't care what the wor- lyrics are just find the equivalent for christmas you're just listening to german pop christmas music they,
0: they no one knows the lyrics okay but then i have to listen to german pop Christmas. <laughs> yeah that's true
1: german pop some polka christmas yeah uh, <laughs> all right john graham wrote in uh, this is this is a conundrum uh, i called it the gift of regifting john graham says last year for christmas i received a hideous christmas sweater for my aunt like it was so bad you think it was a joke so as a joke, I re-gifted it for my office's white elephant gift exchange. Now my aunt just said in the family group text that she's excited to see me weird at the family Christmas party this year. And uh, what do I do? That's basically what he said. Don Graham.
2: Did he say who he re-gifted it
1: to? No, it was a white elephant gift at the at the Christmas uh, office Christmas party. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have it anymore. It's gone.
0: Mm-hmm. He's gonna have to find the exact replica and act like he wears it all the time. <laughs> he, That's the only thing. He is... It
1: seems to me like maybe like his aunt like made it, or it's like a so unique that I don't know.
2: Again, I think you go to your aunt's house the night before the Christmas party and deliver a delicious cheesecake that happens to be poisoned <laughs> with a tremendous amount of flavorless laxative. If she, so if she, she doesn't come, go to the holiday party, if she. <laughs> If she happens to come down with a violent stomach, a violent stomach bug, the night before, she ain't coming, and disaster averted. Oh and she got a cheesecake out of the deal. Oh my I mean, gosh, that's brilliant! I think Let's, that's the only solution. I think that don, seems don, like don, the, that's only the only one. solution, dude.
3: Yeah, unless you luck. can
2: remember it and just go get one made or something. I think I think it's what we call in the biz, in the advice giving business a Christmas miracle.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, last one. There's more. Maybe we'll get to it next week too. Uh, there's more, but JD Santino wrote in. I call this the case of the over-enthusiastic carolers. He says, a group of carolers has been serenading outside our house for three years straight. They come back every year. How do you politely ask them to move on to the next house or skip ours without offending our neighbors?
2: It, it, is, is it like a nightly thing or is it just once a year that you have to endure this? Is, I, is I'm that getting that
1: they just show up every year and he just doesn't enjoy it. Yeah, I mean,
2: it seems like, you know, just you can endure Well, it seems like you do the lights out thing like, uh, you know, like Halloween. But if you want to send the message, I think you volunteer. You get very excited this year, extremely excited. And you join their their crew for the evening and are just awful. Just okay, I thought you were say you
1: would thank them for their singing with a lovely cheesecake. I, you <laughs> know,
2: I thought, you thought about that, but that's only going to resolve for the one night because they're not going to know where they <laughs> we'll got the stomach bug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you join them and be like, "Guys, this is great. I look forward to it every year, and I'd like to be a part of this," and then you just go and you're just wailing and you're you and you're just making
1: and ruin it.
2: Guess whose house they're skipping over next year? 100%. They don't want you to settle up. To, oh, probably,
1: oh, I get it. So they come to your house and you're like, you're so inspired. You want to join them for the rest of the evening. So next year, they're not even going to come to your house because they don't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's you're on could the blacklist.
0: I know. Yeah. yeah. So you got to deal with it for one more year, but then you're free. All right.
1: Well, you guys sent in more. And and actually, we'll do this again uh, on next Tuesday show. So so uh, send in uh, more of your holiday Conundrums like would you have handled the dinner situation differently than my brother did? Stuff like that. Well, before we wrap things up, uh, a couple updates. Make sure to go check out RelevantStore.com. Right now, we are running a 30% off Christmas sale. Uh, it's all so there's a bunch of new merch, plus, we have our magazine and book archives and other stuff as well. Some podcast swag. Uh, go check it out. 30% off right now. You just use code GET30. You check out, but the reminder is right there all over the site. So you don't have to write that down. Also, uh, make sure to check out relevantmagazine.com every weekday where we are covering the intersection of faith, culture, and everything in between. We have articles covering life in your 20s and 30s, uh, faith, career, relationships, the whole thing. Uh, It's it's a lot of great content. Go check it out. And uh, if you see stuff you like, share it with your friends, post on socials, spread the word, interact, engage, and follow us on all the socials too. And then we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone.
3: Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com.